Welcome to Getting Real About Baxter, the podcast where I talk to several experts about the various lakes, streams, and ponds in Baxter State Park and the fish that live in them. I'm your host, Sylvia Hart, with Friends of Baxter State Park, and in today's episode, I talk to retired fisheries biologist Paul Johnson, who did some of the first fish surveys in Baxter. He worked for IFNW for 36 years and recalls to me what it was like working there. Tune in at the end of the episode for a special message from me, the host. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I started work in Fish and Wildlife in June of 1969 in the Moosehead Lake region as the assistant regional biologist. Uh, at that time, Baxter State Park was in the Moosehead region. It was before there were six fishery regions at that time, not mm-hmm. the seven current regions. Penobscot region was formed in the late 70s. Um, military service and basically in 70 and 71 and I returned to the Moosehead region fortunately in 72 and, and worked there until I retired in 2005. During my early years I know every summer we spent at least a week and often two weeks in Baxter Park surveying waters that at that time had never been surveyed. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time. We stayed in, in the warden camp that was the so-called Masadahunk warden camp, which is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd work, go up on a Monday and come out on Friday. And so we've been to places like Rocky and Little Rocky, surveyed those. We surveyed the basin ponds. I've surveyed Chimney Pond. I've backpacked with a summer assistant over the top, um, walked down, Chris, guided by Chris Drew, walked down to Klondike Pond. Uh, and then we camped overnight in the Davis Pond service, Lake Cowles and, and Davis. I've flown into Wasada Cook Lake, and we, that was in 69. I first flew in there, and when we went back and resurveyed, I hiked in there, stayed on at the campsite, and we, we did the initial survey, discovered the bluebacks there. Yeah. That hitherto, I guess before that time, they were, we essentially discovered a new population. Yeah. Uh, it, population's been there for 10,000 years, but first <laughs> discovered it by us. And, and Russell Pond surveyed Deep Pond, Six Ponds on that trip. Yeah. So, um, but after the 70s, uh, of course, with the new region formed, uh, we we ended up picking up waters in the Allagash drainage. And, and right now, in my retirement, I'm a member of the board of directors of the Allagash Wilderness Waterway Foundation, and we're working on a natural history assessment, inventory, and a monitoring in the waterway. Nice. So I stay busy <laughs> and, and loving it. Yeah. Um, I miss the outdoor part of the work. Um, I miss the trout ponds. I'm living in Oakland now. Uh, I miss the trout ponds that are around Greenville because I love to trout fish, uh, and the bass down here just don't cut it. <laughs> but so that's who I am. Nice. What I did. Um, what was it like working for the Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife? Uh, best job I could have ever had. Yeah. I couldn't imagine a better job. Um, it's changed a lot over the years as technology has changed. Um, some of the technology changes have been super. For instance, uh, when we'd work on Moosehead on the, on the Roach River, we'd set trap nets at the mouth to try to catch the trout and the salmon moving up to, to assess the spawning line. And, and Scott Roy and I, we worked together, both assistants, said, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a weir here so we could catch every fish that went up? Well. <laughs> The biologist Tim Obrey, who's who replaced me, has a weir and has put a weir on the road trip and done that. So and, and just 
and all of the the technology, radio tagging fish has yeah. improved so much. Um, I'm a Luddite when it comes to technology. I'm, mm -hmm. As you can see, my files are paper files. <laughs> I, I can do a little, you know, I can do some stuff on the computer, but not a lot. Yeah. But, but working for the department was, was fabulous. And, yeah. and the best part about the work was, was A, being outdoors in the winter and in the summer, doing work, mm -hmm. discovering new things, surveying ponds, seeing it. I mean, that was the time when log drives ended. Yeah. So we saw the end of the log drives and what they did to the rivers and, and, you know, there were some good things and bad things about that. Yeah. But I guess that's enough. <laughs> so what did you look forward to every day on the job? The nice thing about working back then when I did was when we had a work schedule, when we planned what we were going to do in the summer, we set out on a day to go out and do what we were doing, whether it was inventory, find new ponds, survey ponds that hadn't been surveyed before, or evaluate ponds that hadn't been looked at for a while, especially stocking programs. We always went out in the morning. I didn't have a cell phone in the car, didn't have a radio in the car. When I left the office, I was out in the field. Nobody got in touch with me. I went out, did my work, and if it took four, five, six, eight, ten hours, and then we came home. Yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. Now with, with email and, and cell phones, and God only knows what, what happens. Um, but I really enjoyed just being outdoors and, and working in the outdoors. And of course, what people think is, yeah, oh, the outdoors is great, but you realize for every day you spend outdoors, it's, it's two, three, four, five days in the office summarizing the data, analyzing the data, and yeah. you should be writing reports about the data so you can pass the information on. Yeah. So and. I, I really didn't mind that because it's working with the data that you collected in the field. Yeah, it's fun, it's, it's fun, fun. and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you were on the job, did you happen to have like any really special wildlife encounters? Not really. I yeah. mean, we saw moose occasionally. On actually, on um, lily was it lily pad pond mm -hmm. in the park, just off. We, we hiked in, we surveyed that, walked in from kidney pond. I remember a very big bull moose. Uh, that that was, of course, in surveying a pond, the first thing we did is sound it and it runs sounding lines. And the moose was right where one of our sounding lines were. So he, he delayed it because we, we didn't want to bother him. And it was it was a big moose. Yeah. Um, but no, I really nothing did. No bears. You know, hmm. the, the worst thing that happened to us was when the Golden Road was being built on, on the way to Little Lobster Lake, we had three flat tires. Oh, um, wow. And that was, you know, we were... 25, 30 miles from Greenville. So Scott had to hitchhike back with one or two of the tires and we sat on the side of the road and finally he came back two or three hours later and we put the new tires on the truck and continued. We went to Little Lobster Lake, got the job done at the end of the day. Wow. But that was the worst thing, three flat oh, tires. Yeah. And, but that's not bad in 35 years. No, that's not. And that's including every winter snowmobiling, checking anglers, whether it's Moosehead, Chamberlain, Allagash, Beck, Jackman. Um, out in all kinds of weather. There were limits. We didn't go out when it was below zero and the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour. That would be foolish. Mm -hmm. But we spent a lot of time outdoors in some conditions that were somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah. But also there isn't anything finer than a day in March with the sun out and temperature about 30 so uh, you don't have any yes. slush and, and you can ride around without your gloves. Yeah, that was, that, those are the best days in winter. Um, what was your favorite pond to survey in Baxter State Park? I had to be with Sadikuk. Yeah. 
I've, I've always I've, I've got neuropathy now, so my day I I I can't hike in there. I'm sure I can't. I know I've got also have knees replaced, so I can't climb anymore. So <laughs> Katahdin's out now. Uh, Wasada Cook was was and I when we resurvey well, we flew in 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 '69 and we netted and, and did water chemistry and but, but when we sounded back then we had a sounding chain mm-hmm. with with a lead weight and yeah. we'd throw it over the side and and we never figured out how deep it was because we could never determine we, we thought it was deeper than 100 feet we only had 100 feet of chain but we could never feel the weight when it hit the bottom so the survey went un- incomplete until we went back in 82 and or 72 excuse me and when we went back I hiked in because I just decided I, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, and and the other guys flew in with a beaver, but so we stayed there for a whole week. Really? We got we got to see, of course, Green Falls, surveyed Little Wasada Cook Lake, but that is such a beautiful night. That mm. lake. The night before the crew flew in, the day I walked in, I was just there all by myself. Oh yeah. Um, it's that's special. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, Kevin Dunham <laughs> is actually going to resurvey that pond this year. Nice. Yeah, they're doing it this summer. So I is he going to hike in? Cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I heard they were flying. <laughs> and probably. That, and it makes sense because when you're surveying, you've got a lot of gear. Uh, and it's you can fly in and do the work in a day. And if you hike in, you're making a you know several-day trip out of it. And, and when... When we went in, of course, the first time we actually, I think the first time we surveyed Russell Pond, too. Oh, really? I honestly think we may have stayed. I really can't remember, but I've surveyed Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that must have been the time we flew into Wasatica. Oh, which also, you said, what was the worst thing? Next to the three flash tires, I'm going back. <laughs> but when we flew out of Wasatica yes. that time, uh, obviously, the way it sits, you, you, flying out to the west, you, you've got some pretty high elevations. The, the way to fly out is from the east. So you basically want to fly out on a south or southeast wind. Yeah. Well, when Malcolm Mayhew, the pilot, came to pick us up, we, and we told him, if you can't come in, we'll just stay. Well, yeah. he came in, and the wind was from the west, <laughs> and he took it right to the very end around that, that big rocky spit that comes out and, and started up and we went down the lake down the lake down the lake and we weren't getting off we weren't getting off this <laughs> no. is getting closer and closer and, and finally he just lifted up and we get out wow that that's probably the scariest moment oh yeah yeah um, my dad and my grandfather are both uh, float plane pilots yeah. so i know when yeah. you get the, it's a little scary you don't like taking off downwind oh, especially yeah. when it's your only option yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and it feels like you're going to, like, touch the trees, oh, and holy cow, it's yeah. scary. <laughs> Malcolm was, was the, the best bush pilot that you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as you said earlier, you found the first blueback trout in Wasada well, Cook. Or, well, I yeah. guess <laughs> we we discovered maybe people who had fished there before had handled them and all, but as yeah. far as I know, nobody had at that time reported the presence of blueback okay. trout yeah. there. So we were the first one to doc- document them and report it so that it's known outside. So how did you feel? Um, it was neat. They're little. They're not, they're not very big, but yeah. they're so unproductive. Um, no, it, I guess that's probably the only, only thing I really discovered. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, still really yeah. cool. It is. It's it's nice and and where, it's where they belong. Yeah. You know, in the wilderness and Baxter Park. I mean, it's got a blueback population. That's wonderful. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously you just told me about this day that just it, the whole thing sounds like such a fun, like a great, wonderful time. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how have you seen or how did you see the parks fisheries change over the years? I can't answer that question because we were just there in the early seventies. Yeah. So I, I, I really haven't followed any of the results. I mean, over the years we get reports, but, but I can't say whether they've changed or not. I don't, I don't yeah. know. How do you think climate change might be affecting things like that? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if it's affected much now yet. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I think we have to be very concerned uh, about, of course, brook trout are, are the premier species found throughout Baxter Park. Yeah. Um, they're very temperature. They need clean, cool water. Mm -hmm. um, they'll get the clean water in Baxter Park because there isn't a lot to bother them other than road crossings, and they're <laughs> pretty careful about that. Yeah. Um, but temperature, and, and you know, the higher higher the elevation, the the cooler the temperatures. So the higher higher the ele the ponds up in the northeast corner of the park are probably more protected from a warming climate than the ponds in the southwest corner of the park. Yeah. So I, I think the threat is is there. An increase in temperature is going to, like Sardahunk Stream, would be vulnerable to, to a temperature increase. And depends how warm the climate gets, how warm the streams get. And, you know, at, at some point, it'll be a tipping point where the habitat will no longer be suitable for, for at least for robust populations. Mm -hmm. And there may be little populations that would be here and there dependent on spring influences that, that remain cool. But that's what I see. Yeah. So I've heard some pretty interesting facts about different um, ponds and lakes in the park. Does any of them stick out in your mind that you learned over the years? Well, the, the most interesting thing to me about the, the, the fisheries in the park is the Wasada Cook Lake drainage because the falls uh, have isolated every all of the waters above the falls so that there are either fishless, as in Lake Cowles or Davis Ponds, way, the higher elevations, or there are only brook trout. Hmm. Um, and I guess po I didn't, we didn't get to pogey and weed. They've since been surveyed, and, and there are species in there other than brook trout. But but the waters and they they, they must flow into a Sadakook stream below the last natural barrier. Yeah. But you get up to Russell Pond and you know, deep and six and Wasadacook, little Wasadacook and all. Um, the only thing in there is brook trout. And that's, and, and that's, you want to talk about the heritage trout, well, um, that's a real heritage, is, is waters that have been totally unchanged since glaciation. That is just, And, you know, that's, so that's cool. the last, what, 10,000? Well, probably ice receded from that region yeah. <laughs> after it did here. But um, that's kind of unique, and, and, and it is protected. I question... And actually, it's amazing that it happened because when you consider all of the logging that occurred in the Wasatiquit drainage yeah. in the late 1800s and the early, that Wasatiquit stream was, was dammed and driven and dammed and driven again yeah. and, and burned. And so the human activity went all the way up. And fortunately, it, they never carried any species of fish up there. I'm sure they, they ate trout left and right. Oh, yeah. But there are no introductions and and now with the park in place and, and the wasatic the upper wasatic drainage as inaccessible as it is 
I think it, it will be forever wild. That is really cool and really amazing. It is. Um, and some of the other, I mean, Sauterhunk Lake is, is partially in the park, it's outright anyways. Um, that's a unique fishery. And all of the, all of the ponds in the, on the southwest corner of the pond, the Celia's and the, well, Kidney, Dacey, and some of the other ponds down there, they're all in, in the Sauterhunk drainage. They all have wild trout. And unfortunately, smelts have been introduced to Kidney. Yeah. Um, and it, as, as far as I'm concerned, smelts in the trout pond are not a good thing. Mm. Um, salmon need them for food. Lake trout will utilize them, and so won't brook trout. And they may grow a little bit larger, but we, we have evidence in a lot of ponds, especially where the, the brook trout spawn within the pond and not within a tributary. Smelts can be a major predator and cause a decline in the populations. So that hasn't happened, apparently, in kidney. But you know, who's to say? It would be interesting to look at population abundance before the smelts mm -hmm. and since the smelts, and of course that's never been done. Yeah, it would be very And that's the whole purpose of, of inventory, is determine what's there, how abundant it is, how they're growing. Mm -hmm. So, but that's, and I guess they're in Long Pond. Because the park, when we had the park, we had the southern part of the park. We did not have South Branch Ponds or any of the ponds. In, really? On, no, no, that was managed out of Ashland at the time. Hmm. Um, because the access was in from in from Patton, yeah. and and our access was in from Millinocket, yeah. the south. And that's, that's quite a difference. So we went the Moosehead region went all the way to Millinocket, but it didn't go to Patton. Yeah. So the biologist at that time, when there were six regions, um, Pete Bork was the regional biologist. He managed the waters in the north part of the park. Uh, and but I've seen Long Pond has smelts, and and uh, I I don't know whether they were introduced um, as, as in kidney. I don't believe Inland Fisheries and Wildlife introduced those smelts. They, yeah. were, they were probably introduced by somebody yes. illegally and, and intentionally. That wasn't an accidental thing. It was intentional. I have to think that the introduction of Long Pond was intentional. Um, I don't think that's a good thing, but apparently the trout in Long Pond have survived. Yeah. So it's, you have to live with it now. Is there any um, other stories or anything that you would love to tell me or document or something? Not really. No, I, like I said, I, 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 I member of Friends of Baxter, so I'm following what's going on there. I totally support the Forever Wild. I, I think having a real wilderness area, and, and you know, much of the park is not real wilderness anyways, um, <laughs> but, but the Wasada Cook is as close that the watershed in Wasada Cook is as close to a wilderness yeah. as we have in the state of Maine. Yeah. Well, maybe there's something over by the New Hampshire border in the White Mountain National Park, but but uh, I think what's being done, what Governor Baxter did for the state was was just just immense. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. To do that and, and give it away, and, and then its protection since then by the people who have managed it has been outstanding. Mm. And you know, the, the park directors over the years, it's incredible. And of course, a lot of the credit goes to the staff because they do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I guess that's what I have to say. And I, and I hope, and I guess you said the, they're revising the management plan. Yeah. I, I think it's always good to, to look at things. Yeah. Um, my last question for you 
is if you had any advice to offer for a student who is looking to work in the outdoors, what advice would you give them? Try to get employment, especially going to college, go to college and, and study, you know, focus on a study if you're interested in fisheries, if you're interested in wildlife, if you're interested in park management, go to a school that offers courses in that so that you can learn about it. Mm -hmm. But while you're there, and, and really for most of the, the employment, temporary seasonal employment jobs, you have to be 18, so really we're talking about college students and yeah. beyond. Um, while you're there, during the summers, try to get a job in the field in which you're interested. Mm -hmm. um, I know in fisheries, there are summer assistants, there are assistants to, to come in in the winter. Yep. Try to gain experience because entry into at least fish and wildlife management is not easy. There's a lot of competition for very few jobs. Yes. So the more experience you have, with the more supervisors you work for and did an outstanding job so they can give you a good recommendation, yep. the better your chances are to get a job when an opening comes. And yes. when an opening comes, you're gonna be competing with probably eight, 10, 12, 20 people who've done the same thing. Yeah. So um, just get experience. Yeah. Get experience and, and follow your dream. And sometimes you have to, you also have to live. Yeah. And if you can't get a job coming out of college in, in fisheries or wildlife or whatever you're interested in, sometimes you do have to eat. You have to have a roof over your head and heat and, mm -hmm. a, and a vehicle to drive and all the expenses. So you're going to have to, you might have to take a job in something that, that's not there until an opening comes up. And yeah. just be prepared. It, it's not instantaneous job out of college. It might be four, five, six, seven, eight years yeah. before you get employment. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> For this episode, I'd like to thank Friends of Baxter State Park, Millinocket Memorial Library, and Paul Johnson for your time and patience. Thank you. Thanks for sticking around for this special message. I'm the creator and host of this podcast, and for the past few episodes, you've heard my name, but you don't know anything about me. So for the next few minutes, I'll be introducing myself. My name is Sylvia Hart. I live on Shin Pond in Mount Chase, Maine, and I love being outside. My parents raised me to care for and respect nature, and that's just what I've done. So you might be thinking, that's great and all, but why'd you decide to focus on a podcast about fisheries? Well, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to work outside, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So my freshman year in high school, I discovered wildlife biology. But it wasn't until my senior year when I started volunteering at a hatchery in Enfield that I knew I wanted to do specifically fisheries. When I was volunteering at the hatchery, I couldn't stop talking about fish and thinking about them and marveling at the conservation efforts it took to keep the fisheries across the state of Maine afloat. So when I was asked what I wanted to do for my third year of BYCC, I decided what better thing to do than to talk to people that have been hands-on with the conservation of Baxter State Park's waters. It was through some pretty amazing people and my organization, Friends of Baxter State Park, that this was possible. I'm now pursuing my interest in fisheries at the University of Maine. I'll be starting my freshman year this September, and I'm so excited to give back to the outdoors that have given so much to me. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of Getting Real About Baxter.